All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, yeah, been a bit of a tumultuous week for uh, for our little uh, our little squad here. We're actually not so little anymore. I got to stop saying that. Um, we've done the calculations, and honestly, if um, if everybody showed up at one time, we'd have 103 people in this room. Woo. No, not that visit. That call this place home, right, Beeps? Yeah. So I mean, that's cool. Great. Awesome. Let's keep moving forward for the kingdom. You know, we're not uh, we're not this church mindset. So we get to do a part two of a series which was cool, and Steph confirmed that to me uh, yesterday. I woke up, and she had sent me something, which was literally the point I'm going to arrive to today. So she was hearing to say, that's, that's awesome. Keep doing that, Steph. Um, but I got some new information uh, about these Beatitudes. Uh, we're going to do part two of the Beatitudes. Uh, I got some new stuff this, this week, some challenging stuff, in fact. Um, so let me do this. I love when it's nice on the way to church like this, because when you think about the Sermon on the Mountain, as it, you know, it's, his, it's Jesus's longest discourse. The things he said, it's the longest one. It's found primarily in Matthew. Okay, quick question. Who was Matthew writing to? We've done this. Who was he trying to write to? Do you remember? The Jew. The Jew. No, John was writing to the church. Just remember, John wrote to the church. Matthew was writing to the Jew. Now, the reason that's important, remember when I do the lion, ox, man, and eagle? You all remember that? I'll do it every week until you under- Okay. The reason I, okay, because Bruce, think about this. A Jewish writer writing to a Jewish audience puts a prophet on top of the mountain and makes a big deal, Bruce, about the fact that he's on the mountain to give this discourse. Hmm, mountains. I've heard that somewhere before. What else happened on a mountain, Bruce? Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> Fire. Um, God was always on the mountain. What, what, what else? A little guy named Elijah, huh? Known for such hits as, uh, you know. <laughs> right? Right, Steph? That happened on a mountain. So Matthew, who's writing to the Jews, says, hey, pay heed, take heed here. Could he be emphasizing this? That yes, Moses gave us the law on the mountain, but here today, the lawgiver is on a mountain, giving us this discourse. Ooh, see where the Jew would hearken? And actually, I did some, some studying. To, uh, I, I ran into some cool, uh, some cool interviews with um, Jews who have come to Christ. Messianic Jews, there you go, that's what you call them. They believe in Jesus as Mashiach. But they, they, they live in Israel. They maintain all the cultural things that we would never get, right? So if they saw a rabbi, rabboni, teacher, walk up on a mountain, he's, you know, that's very symbolic. And um, now another thing I, I really ran into, Brian, is this. Actually, you're B plus, aren't you? Yeah, you're B plus. <laughs> yeah, yes. He's B positive, you're B plus. <clears throat> um, blessed are. I, I went off about blessed are. Now, I went into the Greek. Just nerd out for me, with me for a second. I went into the Greek, and I told you it's Makarios. And I was like, full of God, in tune with, with life force, Holy Spirit, around us, walking in stride towards your best life, okay? And I like that definition. Lots of people argued with me about that pretty hard. Not in person, you people. I'm talking theologians and especially Hebrew scholars. They didn't go to the Greek. They went to the Hebrew. And the guy says, he's sitting there with his yarmulke on and his payez, and he's going, we can't translate the word Jesus, Yeshua, actually said. When he said, blessed are the, there's no real way to put that in English. He's like, the best we can do is this. He says, lucky are you in the end. Fortunate are you, even though you've gone through lots of stuff. Um... Congratulations is essentially what he's saying. I'm like, what? He goes, in the Hebrew, that's the best we could do. And then I listened to another guy, Paul, that Paul Belosh guy, Belosh, whatever. And he was saying, he sat in uh, university and a bunch of scholars sat around a table and they couldn't agree on a translation. They couldn't. So I'm like, okay, geez, I just threw one out last week. Wow, willy-nilly. Like, I know. <laughs> but keep that in mind, guys. Keep that in mind as we're doing this. Congratulations or... 
in the long run, this is your best life, full of God. It's just too much. You get it? And I like that about language. I'm not a big language guy, but, uh, but I'm huge about that. So, so when he said, lucky are you, blessed are you, walking in, in stride with, you, with God, full of God, in tune with the life force all around you when you're poor in spirit. Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. Uh, lucky are you, doing the right thing are you when you're meek, you'll inherit the earth. And of course, full of God are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll always be quenched. That's where we were last week, right? But uh, I put us on a mountain. You know what I really enjoyed? I, don't, I do listen back to what we teach just to, well, it'd be like watching film from a game for me. I always do that. I want to be excellent up here, okay? And if I go, or something like that, I try to, you know. But one thing I enjoyed last time, Bruce, I don't know if you picked up on it, but I kept saying little tiny things like, and as Jesus sat there, the bird who he taught to fly flew by. Remember? Or the sun that he lit on that mountain. Or, yeah, he knows and, and chose the color blue for our sky. That's such a paradox, Sharon. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's a guy in a mountain who formed the mountain. He's sitting on grass that he picked. And um, he created photosynthesis and could teach us about it. And everybody that's there criticizing him. Now, here's the challenge today. There, there are always at least three groups of people walking around with Jesus, okay? You've got the people who are just kind of, meh, he's doing stuff. I got nothing better to do. Plus, he offered food last time. You know what I'm saying? So they're around. Then you've got the folks who are like, yeah, we're kind of in this. Like, uh, you know. I mean, he's doing something. We, we're trying to figure it out. I'll say four. You've got the inner group that's like, yes, he is absolutely who he says he is. The words coming out of his mouth are daylight and sunshine and dew on the grass. They're no smaller than that. And then you've got the other group, so I will say four, that are going, absolutely not. Let's destroy this guy. Absolutely not. They read that sign out there. And some people read that sign and it talks about faith. It talks about being yourself. It talks about God loves you. And some people are like, yes. Some people are like, what's that about? And some people are like, absolutely not. But you know what Jesus did and gave us the model for? Anybody who's going to teach, you have to teach all of the groups. And you even have to teach the enemies. It's true because it's not his will that one lost sheep shall perish. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the first one that's very difficult. So, Brian, let's hit this one. Uh, hi, everybody online. Nice to see you. Wish that were a little cool. Okay, so listen. Macarios are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. And already we have a problem. <laughs> this is what happens. This is how you know this is not Huck Finn or just literature, okay? Because what he just said um, has led to a lot of abuse theologically. Okay, ready? Follow me on this one. I'm going to be dead honest with you today. I'm not going to be very politically correct at all, okay? This one statement here is easily a road to legalism. And uh, in, 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 in points to uh, working for, for God's approval. Come on. Here's how you could read this, and maybe you have in the past. If you don't show mercy, God's not going to be merciful to you. Can anybody be honest that they thought this? Wow, that's an overwhelming nod of heads. That's not what it's saying. It can't be what it's saying. It can't be what it's saying. So let's go down the tra trail together. Because I, I looked at this ready to teach, and I'm going, if I teach that, then we've just under, undone grace and truth. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh -huh. Right? It can't be, right? You'll, hey, you'll only be shown mercy if it, it can't be that, right? So it's got to be something else. So let's walk down the trail. Let's, let's go. Remember, never take one verse out of the Bible, right, Terry? We never take one verse because that's what people do, and then they beat their wives and say, husband's head of the household. Wrong again. Sin. Right? No, seriously. It's the whole counsel of God. So what do we do? Merciful mercy. Where else do we see mercy? Let's do a, let's do a search and see what Yeshua is talking about. Now, Peter, now, he knows. Peter was there that day. Peter walked with him in the flesh day to day. 
That'd be like me talking about Marie and the memories we have together in this life firsthand. Now watch what Peter surmised. Once you were not a people, people group, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, wait. Blessed are the merciful because they will receive mercy. Peter's going, you've received mercy. You've become a people group. You're the church. You're the believers. You're the sons and daughters of God. Gabish? So we got a problem. Yeshua says, if you show mercy, then you'll be granted mercy. Peter says, you already got mercy. Mercy is how you got here to begin with. Next slide, please. I think. <clears throat> Still in Peter, but we went back a few chapters. Praise be, because of what I'm about to say. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his mercy, he's given us new birth, your family members of God. You have mercy. Or Mike, you could say you're an object of mercy. But Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, you'll be shown mercy? Are we good and conundrumed paradoxically? Okay, now we can, now we can learn. Now I'm just gonna give you my opinion, I'm just a dude, okay? I spent a lot of time mowing my lawn yesterday, in fact. But I was thinking the whole time, about it. So Peter's either wrong or lying, or Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, or there's something else here. I believe, now here's the controversy, take this home with you. I believe in the law of attraction. Here's what I mean. This is a strong statement, and it's going to sound a little weird, because that's me, right? I believe that which you put out does come back to you, or will be attracted to you. Now before you start quoting the secret, this crazy book, did you guys ever, the book was a bestseller, where if you name it and claim it, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's not... Uh, you know, the pendulum swings, right? But, but, but let me cover it before you settle in your mind. I believe in the law of attraction. Here, here's what I mean, ready? But let me, let me do this in the Bible. Let me do two slides here. We do this in the Bible. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. We've discussed, we've already shown mercy, right, Bill? So what might he be talking about? Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Stop. Interesting. If you give out, you'll be given. If you give out mercy, you'll be given mercy. Am I right, Brian? So let's look where else that shows up. Now let me get my big one. Next one, Bri. A man reaps what he sows. And if that cycle were to be broken, you'd be mocking God in his face. If you, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. We, we know that, that that's not how you obtain mercy from God, right? Well, you've been merciful, come on in. No, the adoption process still stands, but... There's something else at work here. And you know what I think? This is just my opinion. But I believe that um, Jesus is standing on the mountain. He's introducing us to his kingdom. And he's saying, this is how it works, okay? In the Old Testament, let's see what else they talk about. I'm not going to show you on here, but ready? Proverbs 22 says this, those who plant injustice are going to harvest disaster. Proverbs 22, 8. Or Hosea 10, 13 says this, you've planted wickedness, you'll reap evil. You have reaped evil. Proverbs 131 says this, you'll eat the fruit of their ways and be filled in the fruit of their schemes. Law of sowing and reaping goes way, way, way back. So I think Jesus is actually pointing something out to you. He says, this kingdom of life, poor in spirit, blessed are you mourn, meek, hunger, thirst for righteousness. If you sow mercy, you will reap mercy. Do you see what I'm trying to say? But now what can that mean? That's cool, but it's still up in the air for me. It's still flying around. Okay. I'll be merciful and somehow the universe will be, oh, that's the pagan demonic belief called karma. I want to say that again because that was mean. Believing in karma is from the pit of hell. There you go. What goes around comes around. What? This unfeeling, unthinking source is going to cause justice? 
boy, you got more faith than I do to make that up. Is it a robot? Is it a consciousness? Because now if it's a consciousness, it's a being. So now karma's a being? No, but I believe in karma. What goes around comes around. Karma's a bee. Is it really? I think you're actually just trying to justify and make yourself feel better in a chaotic world. Yeah? yeah. That's what it is. Oh, and don't forget the roots of karma is also the caste system where they have entire villages of prostitutes and children prostitutes and they're told because of karma to stay in that station so next time someone who claims to follow christ spews karma i want you to understand that from the pit of hell get rid of it it is fake false lies there is no force that writes the wrongs you want to know why six o'clock news wrongs aren't always righted do you get it bruce you go to the prison don't you wrongs aren't always righted face to face well We've got some COs. There's some heinous things that people have done, and they have not been righted and cannot actually be righted this side of the earth, this side of heaven. Do you get it? But Jesus is saying something here. For those in Christ, he's saying something. So knock off that karma crap, okay? That's all I'm saying about that. Or go worship it. Just don't be half and half. There you go. There's Elijah again. Either karma's real or God is God of justice. Well, there you go. So, but there's something in this principle, though. Don't throw the baby out the bathwater, right? There's a pendulum swing here. We make it up. But he's also saying, if, you show, you know, if you're merciful, you'll be shown mercy. So what is he saying? Here's what I think. I think God's pointing out that the things you want in life are even further. In order to obtain them or arrive there, you have to be careful what you're putting out there in your life. That's what I think he's saying. I'll say that again. To get where you want to be, you've got to be careful what you're putting out there in life. Let me break this down. We all know, know life would be lived with good friends. But sometimes we can be crap friends and wonder why we don't have good friends. You reaped what you sowed. Nobody's coming at you. I'm just telling you a principle that came from the mountain of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Negativity. I sow negativity every day, all day, every day, all day, and everybody around you all of a sudden is negative. Hello? All my friends, man. They just revel in my negativity. I don't have a single friend who could come like this and pull me out. You want to know why? You just scattered seeds of negativity, man. And again, nobody's even judging you. Go ahead and do that. But don't be shocked when you're standing in a field of negativity or a field of defeat. Oh, I can't just, I just can never. Fine, then reap that. Do you understand? Don't make me go into the power of life and death is in the tongue. Do you notice they're all coming together? Click, 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 click. These principles of creator God, again, who, who said, we'll allow solar flares to not be so crazy, Bruce, to interrupt and act like EMPs on earth, okay? <laughs> We're getting real technical there. Jesus, right, Mike? But he's saying, here's your principle. And so let me do this. If you, if you want to sow out victim mentality that all oh, things can just never go right and I'm just this person and all that, don't be shocked when you're either surrounded by, vic surrounded by victims or predators. That's tough. I'm sorry. I am sorry about that, but I, I love you enough to give you the truth. And Jesus says, blessed are you who's, who, you know, the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the joyful, they'll, be, they'll reap joy. Come on, anybody? Blessed are forgivers, they'll be forgiven. And not by God out of legalism. People around you will see your goodness and give you mercy and, and forgiveness. So Jesus, this comes from Jesus. We perverted it, but don't throw, again, don't throw away the truth just because they want to pervert it and call it karma. Or we go around, comes around. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't always. It doesn't. Sometimes we wish it would. Good and bad. That's not the truth. Young people, you ready for this? Or single people of all ages. Single again, even. You reap what you sow. And I love this because I say this all the time to young folks. What are you sowing out there? I'm amazed at the people who are shocked when they reap shallow, selfish, immature people to date. But what are you sowing out there? Or better yet, what sort of bait are you throwing out there? Now, now, now I'm a fisherman, so I would simply put it this way. <laughs> I would simply say this. 
If you're dressed like that and you're shocked you can't find an honest man of integrity and self-control, you're just fishing with the wrong lure, honey. That's all. What you're throwing out there ain't going to catch that. You dig? I take the big shiny ones for the big mean fish, and that's what they get, right? It's true. Men, same thing. You say all women are crazy, but where are your eyes looking when you're looking for a date? Not at her brains or integrity or self-control. Women are crazy. Well, those ones are, yeah. Stop biting at the same bait, yo. Come on, you get me? Because you reap what you sow. You get it? Just change those simple things, Bruce. <laughs> We're practical. God's practical, too. So back on, back on task here. By the way, spread that. Um, grandparents, parents, just spread that. Don't judge the length of the skirt. Just tell them what it's going to attract, what's being trolled behind that motor. Anyway. <laughs> this concept of mercy in, mercy out, and reaping what you sow is bigger than you, by the way. So I want to show you something else really quickly. This is a side tangent, but this is what I believe God was saying. I mean, who am I? But let's look at this slide. Mercy in, mercy out. Let's look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let me stop right there. Even when you're in that hospital, you delight yourself in the fact that God has never leave you, never you know, forsake you. That you may be in the hospital bed, but you ain't in that hospital bed like the next person over. Ooh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So we delight ourselves in the Lord. He's one. He's overcome. Even if that means we leave the world, we get to go into the inheritance, the promise. So we always delight ourselves, not in situations, but in the Lord. And then he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And again, now I, as a young believer at 17, I loved this and I totally went like 90% this one way. He's going to give me what I want. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not true because it is, that is what it is saying. But it is also saying, again, at a deeper level, is that he'll plant the desires within you as road markers to get where his will for your life is. Now, here's the thing, man. When we're talking about this in, this out, he plants the desires inside of you, and through his word and godly counsel, you follow those desires, and it leads you to the life, life to the fullest. I talked to some folks who, they feel like they shouldn't want to get married. Guess what? You test that, and you test your reasons. That might be God leading you to the person he has for you and the, and the family and life he has for you. You get what I'm saying? All right, fine. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Bonnie's not here today, my stepmom. Um, she wouldn't mind you telling me this for the glory of God. I'm not sure exactly if it was PCOS or something like that, but all of a sudden, Bonnie found herself uh, mid to late 20s unable to have kids. Now, you're also talking the, the mid-70s. Science and medical was way different back then, right, as you know. But she had a desire for children. Now, I want to make this as practical as possible. Blessed are merciful to be shown mercy. All of a sudden, she meets this dude. And my father looked like Tom Selleck, by the way. He really did. Yeah, he was. Like, everybody says that. Word for word. It got embarrassing when I was growing up. He was. He was 6'1". He had the type of mustache that is timeless. You know? Terry's got one similar like that, you know? It's not going to go in and out of style. You know what I mean? He did. And he had the, the hair that I dreamed about instead of this half row that I grow if it goes another inch. Uh, yeah, Dad was a great-looking guy. But you know what? He also had two little kids. Um... You had two little kids, right? So all of a sudden, she meets this guy and realizes, wait a minute, this is a single father. Could this desire put inside of me, could it be leading me to this situation right here? And can't you see where God does that at times? And he took a really broken family and he made a new family. 
And mom became mom. And mom attends this church, typically. I hope you feel better, mom, if you're watching this. We were going to pray for you, by the way. She just didn't want the oil on her. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making that up. Uh, but you see what I'm trying to say? What if she said, no, this, 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 this. She followed the desires of her heart. And it, right? And what happened? God stitched back together a really bad situation. Can you think about times in your life when you followed a godly desire and it led there? I can. Her name is Steph. She stood here. And I remember very vividly her on my porch before she had met Dave, David, and talking about the desire of her heart. And I laugh. I love to laugh at your stories sometimes because they're so big and dramatic. And then in the rearview mirror, you're like, oh, yeah, God met every need. That's how that goes. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm not being flippant. It's just put another check in the book, right? Like, because when you're sitting there in counseling and it seems like all hope is lost, and you're, you're just another, you're just another story. You're just another testimony where God's going to get the glory. Isn't that amazing? And baby girl is due like this month. Oh, all the sound and fury though. But listen, you follow the desires of your heart. What if she said it's too late for me? Right? It's no, I just can't. It's too late for me. I'm going to go join a nunnery somewhere. Because that'll be God's most holy and righteous religious -y way to... No, you follow the desires of your heart, right? Again, you hold them against the Bible. If your desire is to go kill someone, you don't do that, right? Or, or, or sell drugs to get a quick buck, you don't do that. You hold these desires of your heart against the Bible and against the people you can trust that hear from God. And then you get what, like Rascal Flats, I always quote Gary LaVox. God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Oh, I should break into song. Oh. Every moment. love you all. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so this is, yes, you test them against the word, and then we got grace and truth. Okay. Okay, so we have the next, next one. We're, we're going to get through the next one. Cool. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Whoa, what? I got I to gotta be pure in heart to see God? Oh, I'm out. Anybody else? Man. <laughs> What's happening, Jesus? I, the earlier stuff was good. Blessed are you when you knew you had nothing to offer God. You'll be good with me. But now you're saying pure and hard, huh? <sighs> this is way harder. And here's what's funny. We all look at the law and go, oh, right, the law. That's, that's, that's hard. Who could do that? And Jesus shows up and totally puts a standard that puts the law to shame on this mountain. Because the law was always about your outward behavior. Jesus is starting to tell you that the kingdom of God, this new kingdom, t has nothing to do with what you show other people and your behavior, has everything to do with what's inside of you and your motives. Way harder, dude. Way harder. Other times he said this. Look, the law told you don't go out and actually use your body to, to betray your spouse. But I tell you this. Your eyeballs do the same thing, and so does your imagination. And it's just as bad. Get your eyes off what you do and get your, get your eyes to where God looks at the heart, right? Pure in heart. And like I said, this looks like, well, try harder if you want to see God. Now, you naturally think when you think purity, you think sexual stuff. But let me throw out one of the ones that he, Jesus talked exponentially more about. You ready for this? Greed, gain, storing things up way more than he talked about it. We don't talk about it in our Western world because it's okay to be that way. And I'm not going to, uh, today I'm not going to shoot at your bank account. I don't care, dude. Again, God doesn't mind you having stuff. He's a good, good father. All gifts come through him. But if your stuff has you, ooh, break it off. Break it off and break it off now. And if you, just, if you find that you're a stagnant pond, you'll do just that. You'll rot. But if you're a conduit, right, if, if you can break down that beaver dam, as it, as it were, and be giving out, okay? But the whole point about it, this is, the other thing about pure in heart, how about hatred? How about negativity? That's it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, let me, let me hit this. Pure in heart, pure in heart. 
I want us all to realize we are not pure in heart. And we have no hope for pure in heart. There's my, I, I just spoiled my point, Mike. There's an epidemic in today's culture of negativity. How many, how many memes, we look at memes a lot, right? Things on Facebook. How many things are positive versus how many things are negative? Negative is funny. Complaining, being cynical, it's funny. Let's be honest. That's t- today's humor. It's, it's crept over here from Europe, in my opinion. But um, uh, the, how quick are we to share the, you know, isn't this just, okay. And then people do this. We, we get negative where through our things, how quick are we to say things like this? Oh, isn't this just my life? Just my luck that you never guess what happened to me this week, right? Do you really think that's purity of heart? No, it's not. Let me keep going. How often do we share the negative but not the praise? How often, how much quicker are we to tear down other people and our own situations faster than we build up our situations or bolster what we have? And I got news for you. What did I say? How many drops of something does it take to contaminate water? Picture a fountain flooding with bubbly. One drop of brown food coloring ills that whole thing. And I believe a pure heart really understands that we are inheritors of the promises of God. I believe a pure heart looks at Christ Jesus and goes, I don't need anything else besides you. And everything you've given me, including that one, that one, that one, that heartbeat, are beautiful, wonderful gifts. An impure heart is, I need more, want more, deserve more. Oh, dear. Our situation, our Western culture has set us up to fail, guys. Because if we grew up in a kingdom, we'd understand we receive what the king gives us. And we have great pride in the fact that we love our king. You know what I'm trying to say? And we're talking about there are still kingdoms out there and preachers who preach out of that. Being nitpicky, ungrateful for what we have, envious of what other, others have, unforgiving. All these things, if you really break it down, are, we're commanded against. And all of us are indicted. There is none with a pure heart. There's none with a pure heart. So if you look at this on the outset, like I used to, it's, well, that one's not for me. Move to the next one. But you know what? I want to see God. Matter of fact, that's kind of what I'm doing with this life down here, right? Aren't we all pursuing him, going, you're the reward. Psalm 23, 3 through 4. We're going to look at David to see what this looks about. I'm just going to read it to you. Ready? We're talking about pure in heart. David talked about it. He said this, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now ready? He who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Okay, okay. So now we can get into what a pure heart is. You ready for this? What David means by a pure heart is the phrases that follow it just then. A pure heart is a heart that has nothing to do with falsehood. Okay? So all this other stuff, we don't have a shot. But the way he's talking about pure heart just might be this here. He might be saying this, deceit is what you do when you will for two things and not one thing. Some of you are thinking that's also called double-mindedness. You will to do one thing and you will, and you will what people think, you, you, you know, people think you're doing another thing. In other words, you will to feel one thing, but you also will that people think you're feeling another. That's impurity of heart. Does that make sense? And what he's saying about the pure of heart is this. The pure of heart will do one thing, and they'll cast aside all other desires. They're going to seek the face of God. And that's right in verse 6 there in the psalm. Now, we're going to go to James now. I know, I know we're not done just yet with this. James says this, this idea of purity in James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you men of double mind. What that simply means is this. It simply means... God is essentially saying this. If you want to see God in his, his purity and his fullness, then seek him fully 
impurely. That's what that means. But you know what, though, Bruce? I don't believe any of us can actually do that. Next slide, please. I don't believe any of us can. It's good. And religion would tell you to stop there. But his eagle said this. Here's the good news. Ready? I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So I agree that, yeah, we need to purify ourselves. And who will see God? Those of pure heart. But in my opinion, you're not going to get there. You're not going to. But the good news is, go figure, we arrive here every week, don't we? 52, 52 Sundays a year, we arrive to this. It's about God's goodness. That he will do this and he will not stop working on that heart of yours until the day of Christ Jesus. You get it? So on the outset, you'd hear that and go, this is such hard teaching. And some people walked away. Some people did walk away from this, by the way. Who can do that? And I will quote Jesus and say this. With men, <laughs> impossible. With God, all things are possible. But let's fill in, uh, uh, let, me, let me fill in some understanding there. Because I've made all things possible, says God. Do you see what I'm saying? Isn't that cool, guys? He's working on our hearts. We are imputed with the righteousness of Christ. So, because of him, we're still in it, aren't we? These last two, disqualified on our own. Right? And now as we're in the fourth quarter, the two-minute warning, we're still here. Hopefully, some of you, for the first time ever, getting through the Beatitudes, realizing this is for me. I'm the, I want to be the inner group because I always stood on the outside and said, pure heart, nope, <laughs> I'm out. No, not this time because now I see Christ Jesus does it for me. So I'm still here, Lord. What's the next one? Let's do this. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. Awesome. Very cool. Number one, a lot of us are already called sons of God. Come on, man. Those, he, uh, those who chose to believe on his name, he gave the rights to become sons of God. Not born of a husband's will or blah, 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 but born of God. Boom, right here. And we have seen his glory. In the glory, okay. So what must this mean then? Because, Sharon, what I'm doing here is saying this. Somebody who's in the midst of quarrels and not great at ma making peace, which I'll talk about in a second, I'm not a son of God? That contradicts John if we read it incorrectly. So what does this mean? I'll put this very simply, in my opinion, just my opinion. When you make for peace, when you do the things we're about to talk about, you're called a son of God or daughter of God because you're acting like your dad. I think it's that simple. I believe Jesus is on the mountain, creator God on the mountain, right? Sun shining down on him, skin getting tanned to defend against the harsh sunshine, which he also gave us. It's called melanin, right? And as that son is caressing creator's face, he says, hey, blessed are you even though there's war all around you. Blessed are you when you work toward peace, not selfish gain, because that's what God did for you and always does for you. Oh, man, we're going we're gonna to start singing a song called Reckless Love in here. Anybody heard of it? All the reckless love of God. And it sounds, sounds crazy. Like reckless love of God. You know what reckless means? Reckless means no regard for self. Tucker's a reckless little kid, isn't he? Ah, 100 miles, boom, ah, hit your head, did you really? Really? Shocking. Shock. No regard for self. Reckless. I'm not putting a word curse on him. I hope you don't think he behaves in a reckless way. So does God. I'm going to run after Brenda so hard it's going to cost me everything. God, that's a, that's a reckless love. It, yeah. Oh, and it's going to hurt. It's gonna, I'm going to tumble down from heaven? Yeah. The unfailing, reckless love of God. 
but blessed are you. You'll be called a son and daughter of God. People will recognize you, in other words. Hey, I got a story about the Geigers. So, <laughs> so Sharon has a daughter named Chelsea. Uh, I married Chelsea and Jer- Jeremy to each other years ago. Uh, in fact, that's how I met Walt and Sharon. And then vicariously some others of you. One day, I try to remember the story correctly. One day, uh, 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 Chelsea was in a store and you remember, can you believe I remember this story? You told me this six years ago once. She's like, she doesn't remember it. I think God gave me this memory so I can do this up here. But um, Ch- uh, Chelsea was in a store and someone who went to school with Sharon walked over and went, oh my gosh, are you Sharon Geiger's daughter? And if you've ever called their house, you cannot tell them apart, can you? The same voice. And honestly, she looked and said, like, I haven't seen Sharon in 20 years, but that's her daughter. Get it? She reflected Sharon. And other people saw it like that. You are the image of your mom. Blessed are you when you work for peace because you're the image of your dad. You get it? You'll be called sons of God. People will recognize there's something different about you, Steph. That, that student that fights with everyone and you just don't fight? You just, which also goes with meekness. He who has a sword and doesn't, sheet, you know, doesn't unsheath it. When you work for peace, Brian, people are going to recognize that you're, you're acting like your dad. Work for peace. Now, you may have read Peacekeeper. Nebel. That's a joke. That's how Izzy says never. Nebel. <laughs> That's actually quite annoying because I'll tell you that real quick. We'll say things like, eat your peas, and she'll go, Nebel. <laughs> she doesn't even say no. She'll just go, never. I'm like, oh, oh, hold my ring. Hold my weave. <laughs> anyway, she Nebel. Um, so listen, it does not say peacekeepers. Peacekeeping, okay, let me just, let me just, we got five more minutes, okay? Uh, some of you think that you're being peacemakers because I'm just not going to bring it up. I don't want to start any trouble. It's a good impression, right? <laughs> that is not what's being said here. In fact, I'm going to say something harsh, and I do believe that the Lord is with me on this one, of course, otherwise I wouldn't say it. But I would say this, you are not allowed to spout, spew, or erupt... Just as much, just as much, you're not allowed to stuff things down. So screaming is not peacemaking, nor is stuffing things down. Both of them are outside. Give me the, give me the next thing, please, Brian. They are forbidden. Speak the truth in love. Ready? This is what I do with Sam. Speak, speak, speak. You know when he gets to the street? It doesn't mean think about speaking. It doesn't mean, oh, I've got all the intentions. And it doesn't mean try to... Falsely martyr-wise, I'm just not going to bring it up because it'll cause... No. God said, speak it out. I don't want to. Nobody, nobody asked your, your feelings. This is what peacemakers do. Peacemakers say, hey, let me give you an opportunity to really raise this relationship higher. Hey, Brian, when you said that, that kind of hurt my feelings, man. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Boom, relationship's higher. Trust is built. He stuffs it down. He's actually putting a cap on where the relationship can be. And Jesus knew that when it comes to nation versus nation and spouse versus spouse as well. Blessed are you when you work for peace, not a win. Oh, my God. Got that one, Britt? Tweet that one. Blessed are you when you work for peace, not a win. Blessed are you when you work for peace, not your way. When peace is the goal, you are blessed and you're acting like your dad. Look what he did for peace. And Jesus walked over and looked over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often I wish to gather you, but if only you knew the things that would make for peace, didn't he, Bruce? God is constantly working toward peace while nature is working toward chaos. Oh, that's good. Oh, my gosh. 
Nature is always working toward chaos. In your home, if you don't work for peace and become a peacemaker, you will inherit chaos. Or, you ready for this? This is straight out of a book called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. If you're not working for peace in your marriage, you know what you're going to inherit naturally? A safe distance between you and your spouse. And if I were to say to you, what's your goal for marriage? And look, I'm, I'm on the table, guys. I'm on the couch right now in fi fifth gear focusing on our marriage, okay? Uh, so I'm not talking down to anybody. But here's what I realized with two little kids running around. Without effort to make peace and keep a peace between us, what's peace? Peace is comfort. Peace is closeness as well, right? Peace is you don't have to knock on my door. You're allowed in and out. But you know what I realized? Without that effort, though, with two little kids running around and all that, I inherited a safe distance. You stay over there. It doesn't hurt as much. It's not as risky. Anybody getting me on this one? But if you're not working for peace, which means doing stuff, not doing stuff, but actually speaking the truth in love and working toward it, chaos abates, you know, whatever, fades down, and so does that distance. Love always chooses closeness and intimacy, okay? Not distance. I mean, guys, God in us is our example for love and making peace. God not outside of us. Love chooses connection, right? And self and war choose chaos and distance. And we serve a God of connection. You guys know this. You guys feel it every day. You've, I know you do. You feel that God actually wants to be close with you. And sometimes you'll be like, Ryan, you'll be like, oh, I, I want to be closer with him. Oh, yeah, that's him giving you the desires of your heart. Hello, wow, tied that one in together. But some people listening online feel it and you just don't want to admit it. Do you know that? I, I, feel that, I feel that so strongly right now. That some people, God does not want to distance from you. Even the fact that, you know, it, it, look, I'm not trying to be whatever, but community is where you, where you find God. And we love that you, you know, watch these messages. And please keep doing that, absolutely. But getting around other folks who, who also have the same desire for you are going to help you meet that desire. And God's not going to leave you alone. Unless you plug your ears for so long, you stop hearing. That's the way it is. But some of you really feel that at home and online. You feel that God is drawing you near. You feel a sense when you hear my, me talking or, or whatever you do that, that honors God, you feel a sense that God is drawing you to himself. God is a God of in, intimacy and relationship and connection. And so he's saying this, doggone it. Be like me. Be a daughter of God. Work for peace, not a win. Work for peace, not a change in your spouse. Work for peace, not what you want. Peace has got to be the goal. And I am on the floor about this in so many areas of my life that, that I, I really got to get better about this. I do. I got to have a Father, give us a desire for peace and not being right. Amen. Man, help us with that, Father, in a world that says we're all supposed to get everything we want our way. Have it your way. No, Father, we want to have it your way. We want to have peaceful homes where we do the work for peace. There is a, uh, one of my favorite pastors, Jim Bergen in uh, Flatirons, talks about, I can't quote it to you, Parapeace Pacabellum, but in Latin it means, if you want peace, be prepared for war. Because that's what peacemaking means. Peacemaking might mean going in there and knocking down all the, all the other habits, warring against yourself, the, 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 the temper inside of you, whatever it may be. Are we getting me? Yeah. Good, I want to get the last ones. Last, last two I'm going to tie together, and we're, we're going to call it a day. Man, I probably should have done a part three here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's in, it's in, in, in today's phrase right now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you're persecuted because of being close with me, and it might be this. It might be as so much as, uh, you know, people were saying they would leave and come to church and their family members would go, you don't have to go every week. 
Well, I mean, come on, that, that is. I mean, look, in the light of beheadings, it doesn't seem like much, but it's still on the same page. It's other, you lose favor with other people to gain favor with God. I just came up with that on the spot. I think that was a God thing. You lose favor with other people in order to gain favor with God. That's righteousness and being persecuted for it. For your beliefs online. Now, listen. You may be persecuted because you like a certain politicians. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the things involved of Christ Jesus and being with him. So if somebody hates your political views, that's not persecution because of Christ. You may like the person because of vicariously, blah, 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 but it's not. We're talking about to gain favor with God, you lose favor with man. It's that simple. It's that simple. Next one, I'm going to tie these two together. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of who? Me. The one who just taught you all these things and how the kingdom works. You ought to, but actually, if you really get this existence, you ought to be happy. Rejoice actively and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. It's not even about this time on the plane in the sand. And also, by the way, you think you're going to escape people hating you for my name's sake? They've done it to everyone that came before me and they're going to do it to me, says Jesus. What makes you think you're any different in your family as you try to change and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, we're not going to keep bringing up that old wound. We're not going to go there. We're not going to do this. Whatever it may be, in the name of righteousness and pleasing God, favor of God, to lose favor of them. What makes you think you're any different? Or you ready, ready, ready? This is, what about when you're doing something you know through the word and counsel? Because I'm not a big fan of God told me and I'm just going to go do that. I don't believe that at all. God told me, you could say anything in the world. I've heard people say, God told me to break up my marriage and marry you, pastor. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not the God I serve, but what? You throw down this trump card of God told me. Rewind. If God has you doing something through counsel and the word of God, that counts too. Well, I just don't understand why you guys would. I don't understand how you could give your money to. Do you get what I'm saying? Even in following the things of God and your convictions, you're going to get blasted for. Do you pick up what I'm putting down? political things, things in the country that you stand up for and say, Ugh, we can't go down that route as a nation. You're going to get hammered for that. Absolutely. As long as your motives, and again, uh, I believe there's, 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 well, I didn't say it. He says, great is your reward in heaven. As long as it's not about your opinion. As long as it's not about, I don't like that. That's gross. I'm going to fight against that. No. If you're sticking up for something of Christ or what Christ has actually told you to do and be, you're going to get hit. And I don't know why I'm so sometimes, but as I set out to start a church ages ago, well, that's, I mean, forgive my examples, okay? I know, who starts a church? No, but like I got all weird and wounded and offended. I should have been ready to take shots about that. I should have, let's be honest. Wisdom would say the rest of the world is going to do that. So um, I do way too much sticking up for myself. Way too much, they disrespected me, or how dare you talk about my beliefs that way. I do that all the time. I do that way too much for what Jesus says. Somebody said it best yesterday, the Paul guy, he said this. We're foreigners in a world that is dark and evil and on fire, run by the prince of darkness. I didn't say it, Jesus did. The God of this world, lowercase g. Why do we expect heavenly behavior from people around us? Oh, good, 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 isn't it? We're not from here anymore, we're interlopers. We're not of the earth. You'll see in Revelation, there's actually wrath poured upon people of the earth. Guess what? That ain't you. We're people of heaven. That's my citizenship now. Do you get it? Don't get that twisted, man, because you're going to read Revelation completely differently. But Britt, why do we do that? You, you and me would sit at the bank and I'd expect people to treat me well. Are you kidding me? These are people who, 
they haven't been delivered out of, of that stuff. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit. They don't even love themselves. I'm expecting them to love me. What am I doing, right? You go to a doctor's appointment. That nurse is going to be, yes, of course she is. Why do we expect heavenly behavior from worldly people? It's not going to happen. And that, you know what it does to us? We retreat in our little Christian bubble and we stop being the light of the world. You've got salt. Deal with it. They don't. You're the salt of the earth. They're not. And I got to stop this crap, man. People come at me about some things like that about God and I got to be like this. Rejoice and be glad. I must be making waves. Izzy through Izzy, I took her to the pond for the first time yesterday on the, on the four-wheeler. It was actually a really cool experience. Totally saved her. Totally dad saved her from falling into water, by the way. She's got a helmet on and, you know, little kid, little kids are head heavy. And she was near the edge. She's got her blinky shoes on, her favorite blinky shoes, and a tutu. Who rides a four-wheeler in a tutu? My daughter. Absolutely. And so she's standing there, we're looking for frogs. And of course, dads, you know, God gave us this. Women may have women's intuition, but dads, we have precognition. We can see that corner of that table, Carl, right? That's going right in that kid's temple. Three, two. <laughs> and and he, yeah, so sure enough, she goes like, and I was just like right there. She goes, dates, daddy. I was like, oh, finally some recognition. But anyway, um, she takes a stick and she whips it out like that and it falls into the pond. And then I got to talk to them about more Alex than her on his turn on the four-wheeler. But the things we do, buddy, affect everything around us, just like those ripples. Isn't that amazing, buddy? I mean, he's five years old. I mean, you put it there and it goes to all, every single frog got touched by what you did. Guys, we've got to understand this. If you're making ways for the kingdom of God, you're going to get shot at. If you're changing, Terry, if you're not the way you used to be, expect the enemy to start loosening the darts on you to get you back down there. When you rise up, he wants you back down. Hey, aren't you supposed to be in bed with crippling depression and fear? Get back down there. I'm here to still kill and destroy what you've got, right? Man, that's everything to do with, the, with this church right now. The trajectory of this church. Infertility, uh, sugar issues, things like that. The enemy's just going... Fuh, 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 fuh. I thought I had you convinced you couldn't have kids. Ah, darn. I almost said damn. <laughs> Stay down. Stay down. What do you mean you're going to walk into God's destiny? Just put it all together. Desires of your heart, moving toward righteousness, you're going to get hit hard. And you're going to get hit hard from the people that claim that they love you, by the way. Or that should be better. Boy, some of the doctor's appointments experiences you guys have had in the last couple weeks, what? How do these people have a license? How do they treat people this way? Expect it. Walk in there and be the salt and light. Don't need anybody else's light to warm yourself. You're not going to get it. Okay? We're going along. I just feel like God's talking about it. These are people who live in darkness. Following Christ is not a cruise. Brian, I wish on the school bus when I used to ride it and you and me were there, I wish you would have said prophetically, hey, AJ, following Christ is not a cruise. It is not a cruise. And if it is a cruise, then you know what? You're not doing it right. Because it's a narrow path, and it's full of a lot, of, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But rejoice and be glad. Because it doesn't matter what's down here. In fact, all of this is going to catch fire. So let's close this down today, guys. Let's close this down. Beatitudes, the one last thing I want to say. This is how I knew we were going to be doing this today. They also describe Jesus. You just sat through two weeks of descriptions of Jesus Christ. Jesus is poor in spirit. He mourned. What did he mourn, AJ? The sinful nature of mankind and the trajectory that we were on. Talk about kids heading toward the table. We were headed toward destruction and Jesus mourned it. Was he meek? 
He was the meekest because he was the strongest. He hungered and thirsted for righteousness. He showed us at every turn, didn't he? He showed mercy at all times, didn't he? He was pure in heart. Everything he did made for peace. And he sure as heck was persecuted, right? So I got homework for you this week. Steph's already done it, but you get to do it again maybe, Steph. Although you got a lot going on. Um, you Go back through the Beatitudes this week now that we looked at them. And you're going to be like, yeah, I understand. No. Now go back through them and don't look for you. Look at him. Go back through the Beatitudes and say, attribute each of them to Jesus. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to see him more clearly. Creator God standing on a mountain that he made, teaching us about his kingdom. Awesome, huh? Let's sing Beautiful One. Beautiful One I love. Beautiful One I adore. Beautiful One my, my soul must sing. Good morning, everyone. We're going to go ahead and begin. We're here to worship the Lord Jesus today, and we're going to start by using our imagination.
saw this week Oh, your great love. 
is pain. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Let's sing that again in death. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails, never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, it never runs out on me. together for the Lord. Thank you very much, Father God. It's been a trying week for some of us. Lord, thank you that you've heard our prayers this week. We thank you that you've given us uh, a medium by which to pray for one another. We thank you that we never feel alone, Lord God, because you've given us each other as well as your presence, Father God. Today we just wish to worship, keeping in mind all that you've done for us. We don't even know all that you've kept away from our homes and our families and our children and grandchildren. We just... This heaven, this side of heaven, will never know. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty Oh 
Lord Jesus, we worship you today. Every heart and every life touched and put on a path that you alone are the author of, Lord God. We raise our hearts to you today, Father God. We lay down our burdens and anxieties and we choose to trust you today because you're greater. Greater is the one who's in us. Greater is the one who calls our name. He will never fail. He will never fail. Stronger, Lord.
Father, I love when we can declare things about your love and who you are, Lord. Hearing uh, Bruce talk about his experience this week, Father God, of uh, just a routine situation, just any old day, and all of a sudden he's in what they call essentially convulsions, Father. But it's amazing how we can gather together as a family and say, hey, yeah, we're not alone. Whether it be a Thursday, a Friday, a Sunday, we're all standing here. We're not alone. Lots of us have seen hospital rooms this week, Lord God. And we declare that greater are you who's in us than anything of the world. In fact, Father God, you said no weapon formed to take us down is going to prosper. You said it, Father God. We just choose to agree with it today as individuals and collectively as a, as a family. Stronger is the one within us. Stronger is the one who fights for us. If God be with us, who dare be against us at this point? But Father, you've asked, well, you've told us, Father, that our best lives are when we stand upon those promises you've given us. So today we declare that, Father, that you are greater. You're the King of kings and Lord of all. Lord of all things, Father God. Does that mean that you're the Lord of sickness? Well, you're the Lord over it. You're the Lord over doubt and depression and fear and anxiety. You're the Lord over the future. We don't know if we should go left or right. You're the, you're the Lord over decisions as well, Father. We've asked that you would have your way today, Father God, in, in each and every one of our lives. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We're here today, Father God. We're saying have your will. Today in our families, in our jobs, in our homes, in our education, in, our, in just every part of our lives. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We love you and worship you. We come expecting today, Father. Speak to each and every one of us here, Father, and heal our hearts. We're here for you.